You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. Machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Acus World This Week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. The studios of 3CR in Melbourne, from which this uh, program is normally broadcast, are still closed due to the COVID-19 crisis. Therefore, I'm broadcasting outside of the studio. If there are any technical issues, well, that's life. That's the way it goes. At least we've been broadcasting every week and uh, have not missed one week since the... uh, uh, crisis began. Is you wonder what anarchy is all about? An anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power that's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common. And why is it that? It's very simple. The word anarchos means without rulers. Not without rules, but without rulers. How, what gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people as we're currently witnessing? It's very simple. Inequalities in power and wealth. So the only struggle is the struggle to share power, that's devolved power, and the struggle to create collectively and share wealth. Simple concept. It's a way of giving everybody in the community the ability to participate, not only in the decision-making process, but also a share in the wealth of society. Look, I'm afraid it's business as usual. That's right, business as usual. I've been a little bit, uh, a bit interesting the last week or so since the last uh, Anarchist World this week because we can actually see the lines which have been drawn in the sand regarding the new era. Listening to our beloved Prime Minister, Mr uh, Scott, missing... In action, Morrison. It was interesting to see him take some a leaf out of a hawk heating book and speak about a, a new era, a new accord. And those of us who are old enough to remember the heat courting, uh, heat hawk heating era, will remember that this was the beginning of the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation era. And the people who lost out were workers and that one third of the population which normally survives on Social Security benefits. You know, wage earners. They're the people who lost out 
five year court. And listening to the garbage which has been peddled by the uh, Murdoch media, which now dominates the uh, uh, marketplace as far as uh, ideas are concerned, it's quite interesting that they're bringing out the same garbage. I'll give you an example. This week, there's been a very important announcement, an exceptionally important announcement, which most likely will have been uh, ignored by uh, most people, and it's about cutting red tape. Every time I hear the word cutting red tape, which is, you know, a, a pseudonym for uh, deregulation, I think, hmm... Usually when there is a, a disaster or something, you put up red tape, and you, which says basically, don't cross this line because there you may have issues. So when you cut red tape in order to maximise profits for businesses and corporations, it is the public that suffers. And currently in an attempt to save $23 million now, Think about this, $23 million, a drop in the bucket. This week, new reg regulation comes into place which privatises most of the activity of the government body which is responsible for assessing toxic chemicals. You heard me right. The health of 25 million people is being balanced against a saving of $23 million by watering down the regulations which cover importation, distribution of toxic chemicals and most of the work of the uh, assessment team, the government assessment team, will now be done by the private sector. A little bit like the building industry and uh, planning and... Uh, as we saw the uh, great fiasco that occurred in the building industry as far as the deregulation. So Mr Morrison and his cohorts, and unfortunately um, sections of the trade union movement in the Labor Party, are now singing from the same songbook. The new accord, the new era. And Morrison and his cohorts know that now is the time to strike because most people are frightened. They're not frightened of COVID-19 because COVID-19 is coming under control slowly. Slowly it's coming under control. What they're frightened about is what's going to happen at the end of September. What's going to happen when all that rent that was deferred for small businesses needs to be paid over the next two years as well as the rent for the next two years? What's going to happen when the tens of billions of dollars in mortgage repayments uh, need to be repaid? What's going to happen when the 3.1 million people on uh, JobKeeper lose their $750 a week? What's going to happen when the 10 to 15% of the population will be on JobSeeker by the in the September, find that their uh, benefits are halved and they have to jump through the hoops looking for jobs in a marketplace that does not exist jobs. So people are very 
fearful of their future because in a capitalist society, a society which is based on uh, private investment for private profit, that's all capitalism is, it's about private investment for private profit. It's about putting the private sector before the rest of society, the public sector. And what's going to happen when they need to pay their bills and they don't have a job? When they've pillaged what's left of their superannuation fund? When they're expected to uh, scroll down their savings before they can actually uh, get uh, a job seeker allowance and the list goes on and on. So this is an opportune time for those who want to sign, create work choices too, want to bring individual contracts into the workplace so that individual has to negotiate for corporation for uh, basic conditions and wages. And the rumblings are out there. They think this is the time to strike. Now is the time to strike. The trade union movement is weak. Decades of uh, temporary work visas, decades of laws which have made striking illegal in this country except during enterprise bargaining agreement periods after you jump through about 50 hoops and a few hurdles at the same time. This is the time to strike as far as they're concerned. And they're talking about individual contracts. They're talking about watering down fair work laws. They're talking about and introducing more deregulation in the workplace. They're talking about this consistently every day and every major media outlet in this country, especially the media, Murdoch media outlet, continues to beat that drum wildly. And why do I worry about the legacy media? I'll tell you why I worry about the legacy media. A lot of people think, you know, that it's all social media. The legacy media is dead, that it has no influence. The game is about influence. Social media is an echo chamber. Ideas come, ideas go, ideas reverberate, ideas disappear. The legacy media continues to set the agenda every day. Radio stations, bloggers, uh, a television station, paid, you know, pay for air or whatever, free for air as well as paid TV. They all take their lead from the legacy media that morning. And what is debated, what is discussed, what is raised is what is raised in the legacy media. It is no accident that Murdoch and his cohorts continue to pour money into the Australian, the national newspaper that has not made a cent of profit in the last 50, over 50 years. But that's not the issue. The issue is to actually be in a position to influence legislation and push forward ideas which maximise the profits and return of the legacy media, especially Murdoch and his cohorts, because that's what Murdoch is about. He is about Murdoch and nothing else. Now, one day he became an American citizen. <laughs> you know, in the old days when you couldn't have uh, dual citizenship, he had a choice. He could remain Australian or become American. He started to chase the money. So 
And if you want to really, if you, if you really want to see how pathetic, how incredibly one-dimensional the Australian newspaper is, you know, get a copy. Don't buy it, but you know, have a look at a copy of it, you know, somewhere. And you'll see the dribble that passes the informed comment. Like uh, one, of the, I actually had the uh, opportunity of uh, looking at yesterday's Australian, and uh, the big issue was uh, Victoria turning into a socialist state. Could you imagine that? A Victorian Labor government that has privatised the port, that has gone into public par- public-private partnerships as well, as far as road building is concerned, which always uh, benefit the uh, private sector, a government which has privatised large segments of the public hospital sector, including pathology, radiology, cleaning, ward staff, uh, food, and the list goes on and on, An organi- a government which has privatised the titles office, a government that has 2,752 uh, pieces of state owned land and infrastructure which they're uh, going to put on the marketplace for a government uh, for a, uh, you know, a bargain basement prices and this is considered to be a socialist government. This shows you the intellectual dishonesty, the ignorance, the stupidity of the commentary in uh, newspapers like that. But the important thing is it doesn't matter what I say, they have extreme amount of influence, especially with the Liberal National Party government, especially with the Liberal National Party government, and seeing the unions in a position of total weakness and seeing that people are frightened about their future and seeing that resistance in the community is minimal, is non-existent, because everybody's too busy worrying about the COVID-19 crisis. They have exploited the situation, will continue to exploit that situation to drive forward their privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation, globalisation agenda, which has not changed. To them, the COVID-19 crisis is an opportunity to pursue that agenda and realign Australia's international uh, international uh, treaties and associations. And all you've got to do is look at the situation with China to see how things are rapidly changing. So, what are we going to do about it? Well, something I say to myself every morning when I wake up, well, I don't say it out loud because I think they'd carry me away and put me in a straitjacket. What I say is, we are the people we've been waiting for. I mean, it's not an original thought. Uh, if you're lucky, if you have one original thought in a lifetime, I don't think I've had one yet. But we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. We can't rely on the government of the day. We can't rely on the protections, the non-existent protections in the Australian Constitution. We can't rely on the major political party. We can't rely on the corporate-dominated media. We can't rely on the government-gilded ABC. So we are the people we've 
been waiting for. And we have options. We always have options. There's always options. Even the most critical, dangerous situations, there is always options. Obviously, most people pick the easy option because people don't like tension and friction. But we've got to be ready for change because we are the ones who are going to drive that change. If we want to see the introduction of a universal basic income to act as a social security net uh, in times of uh, national and personal emergencies, so we don't have to go through the scuffle we've gone through the COVID-19 crisis. Well, then we are the ones who are going to drive that because that means changing the tax mix. And they're talking about changing the tax mix. And when they talk about changing the tax mix, they're talking about increasing the GST. They're talking about increasing excises. That's what they're talking about. Increasing franking credits. Now, this goes on and on. When we talk about changing the tax mix, we're talking about raising revenue from the corporate sector in order to provide a universal basic income for each and every person in this country, every permanent resident, every resident, every citizen. And the taxes we talk about is the introduction of a 1% stock market turnover tax, which would raise between 40 to $60 billion per year every time a share is stock, stock or share is bought or sold, 1% would automatically go to Treasury because of computerisation. It's a simple thing to do. And the other tax that we're talking about is a 1% financial transaction tax every time a dollar, a dollar, because GST, finance, finance, there's no GST on finance, financial transaction. Every time a dollar is spent, 1% tax, bang, bang, bang. You could raise at least $200 billion a year, which is more than enough to fund a universal basic income for each resident and citizen in this country, which means that in times of emergencies, whether it's a national emergency which affects the whole country, as we saw with the COVID-19 crisis, or a personal emergency, a marriage breakup, a breakup of a long-term relationship, sickness in the family, psychiatric issues, and the list goes on and on. There would be this cushion, a financial cushion. At the same time, we could actually dismantle any aspects of the public service which are used to uh, regulate and determine who gets a pension and who doesn't, and the list goes on and on. So it's time for different thinking. And if you think that tens of thousands of people are going to take to the streets. They're not going to take to the streets. That's the reality in this country today. So what we have to think about is other ways of influencing people. I'm not telling you not to take to the streets. I'm not telling you not to protest. I'm not telling you not to hold vigils. But what I'm saying at the end of the day is we need other ways by which to influence public opinion by which to raise new ideas which don't divide us, which unite and don't divide us. And that's why I've been involved in the formation with a number of other people in public interest before corporate interest, and that's why we are very keen to register public interest before corporate interest as a federal political party, that we can raise issues not just in general elections but by-elections across the country. 
raise issues that people need to hear, issues which will never be raised at the corporate-owned media of the government guild at ABC, that we need to create a new society based on equality in order to ensure that everybody is able to reach their full potential. So if you're interested in public interest before corporate interest, you can go to the website, pipsy.net, have a look. If you like what you see, you can always download the application form from uh, pipsy.net, uh, fill it out. You can send it back on the uh, by the computer or you can post it out to us. And hey, presto, before you know it, you'll be a member of public interest before corporate interest. Now, we're in the process of actually uh, doing a mass mail-out. We, uh, we are... We're not like uh, other political parties. We don't have any cash reserves. We need some stamps. We need about five, six, seven, eight hundred one dollar ten stamps. So if you've got any spare cash, and you may have, and you want to help us out, buy some dollar ten stamps and send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. But more importantly, we'd actually like to see you to join public interest before corporate interest. So we can apply for our registration as a federal political party before the end of the year. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. I encourage you to access the podcast and share it with your friends. Uh, you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. If you don't use computers, leave a message. If you want to join Pipsy on 0439 395 489, I'll get back to you and post out some application forms. You can uh, email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Info at, sorry, info at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. Or you can email us at info at pipsypibci.net. You can go to the YouTube channel, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel. I attempt to do one YouTube presentation every week. That's Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. Uh, you can go to Facebook pages, my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, or Toscano for the Public, Defending Extent, Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business. And all those listeners who are wondering, when we're going to be reactivating the public housing, everybody's business campaign. Uh, keep listening. I expect that the vigils outside Parliament House, Victorian Parliament House in Melbourne, for public housing will start on the first Wednesday in July. That's right, the first Wednesday in July. Now, just in case you've forgotten, this is Reconciliation Week. Uh, it starts unofficially on the 26th of uh, May, which is National Sorry Day, and I assume you heard nothing about National Sorry Day on the corporate-owned media. I'm sure you've heard it uh, on uh, community radio across this country. The 27th of May is uh, the day the referendum was held in 1967, which gave the Commonwealth the power to make legislation for Indigenous Australians for this country's First Nations people. And the end of Reconciliation Week is bookmarked by Marbo Day, which is next Wednesday, which is the June of June the third. So Reconciliation Week, uh, I spoke extensively about it last week. Just to remind you, it is Reconciliation Week. 
you want to pay the rent, contact your local Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander Association and work out something. If you want to get involved, get in touch with them. Because let's not forget that three years ago we had uh, a statement from the heart from Uluru where delegates, not representatives, but delegates from this country's First Nations people, over 200 delegates met at Uluru in central Australia, the dead heart of Australia, and had three demands. And those demands were exceptionally simple. One, truth-telling. Let the world know about what happened, about the continuing effects of colonisation in this country. The colonisation process is not finished. Two, begin the discussion towards a treaty or treaties between this country's First Nations people and this country's inhabitants. And three, a representative body, not to take over the uh, functions of parliament, as a lot of commentators and politicians claim, but a representative body of First Nations people, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, so if they could actually be heard in terms of the legislative agenda of the parliament. Very simple requests. And what happened? They were dumped within 48 hours. The, the delegates were told they'd overreached. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. So Reconciliation Week is one of these weeks, and uh, we do our little bit uh, through the Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation, and I was very pleased to be involved once again in the Foundation's activities. And uh, if you want to learn more about that, go to the Ellen Jose Facebook page, Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation, Ellen Jose Memorial Foundation. Remember, it is Reconciliation Week. Uh, considering that most Aboriginal people want to reconciliate, and they're the victims, and most Australians who are the benefactors of the colonisation process don't want to reconciliate, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, juxtaposition. So it is Reconciliation Week. Pay your respect, pay your dues. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's right, I was a sigh. I'm really sighing the people of the United States and Brazil, especially the United States. I mean, they did elect Mr. Trump and they did elect their president in Brazil. So in many regards, they've got themselves to blame. But again, they shouldn't be, people shouldn't be punished for the ignorance, stupidity and lack of leadership in, from self-serving leaders who use the authority of the state to uh, enrich themselves at the expense of the community as a whole. And I've been uh, really saddened to see what's happened in the United States and Brazil, especially in the United States. But the death toll now from COVID-19 has risen above 100,000. That's right, 100,000 people. That's an extraordinary number in a 21st century country, a country which is supposed to be 
the leading light of the free world, inverted commas. The lack of leadership that's been shown, not just by the president, but by senators and Congress people, is just extraordinary. It highlights how what happens when you allow a neoliberal agenda to dominate every aspect of existence. It's all about cash up front for services, fee for service, fee for service. When you don't have a dynamic expanding public health sector, when you don't have an adequate social security net, when you don't have a trade union movement, and when you don't have a population which is willing to look at reality, who's more, more interested in delusional belief systems. So it's a lesson. You could have the greatest military in the world and you can spend 90 times, sorry, nine times more than the Chinese and the Russians, but at the end of the day, the type of society that's been created in the United States, I think, is a warning, a shot for people in Australia who are pursuing the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation agenda of breakneck speed as they believe there is nobody standing in their way. And so if you want to live like the people in the United States live, if you want to live in that type of society, well, just let them go ahead with their so-called reforms. I mean, the word reform is supposedly to make things better. Well, it doesn't. Very sad. And the sad place is India. India. There are more human beings crisscrossing India at any time since partition in 1947. And we are seeing to a significant degree the consequences of the implementations of the Modi neoliberal agenda. There's always winners in the neoliberal revolution. That's about 10% of the population who do exceptionally well. But there are an extraordinary number of losers. And seeing tens of millions of Indian day workers crisscross the country on foot trying to get home as a result of the COVID-19 shutdown highlights to me what happens when you don't actually have strong workers' organisations in a country, when people have no rights in the workplace, where all you have is your labour to offer, where you are treated as little more than disposable garbage. And I think, not know, but think, that if we allow them to... That small section of society that owns them is production, distribution, exchange and communication. If we allow them to continue to dominate the political agenda, we allow them to dominate the parliamentary agenda, we allow them to do this, that in the long run, we deserve of what we, what we reap. Now, I know a lot of people find it difficult to think about things beyond their immediate family, beyond their financial situation, beyond their next holiday. But ultimately, 
What the COVID-19 crisis showed us is that we are part of a community. That's right, a community. That's why we're a nation state. That's why we have borders and passports and citizenship. We are part of a community. And it was only through community action, which was initiated by government, but which was carried out by the people, not because they were concerned about the um, financial and uh, legal penalties, but because they felt it was the right thing to do in order to shut down the COVID-19 crisis, shut down the 19 COVID virus in the community. If there hadn't been that voluntary pulling together to def- to uh, contain COVID-19, we'd be in a, maybe we find ourselves in the same situation in Great Britain and uh, Brazil and Italy and Spain and the United States. Interesting, isn't it? The most so-called most developed and sophisticated countries are the ones with the greatest uh, death toll. Quite fascinating. So, COVID-19 crisis has set the line as the standard. It's drawn that line in the sand. And you've got to decide what side you're on. Is it business as usual for you? Or are you going to be looking for something else? Are you going to allow them to continue to pursue those agendas they've pursued over the last 40 years, which have caused so much pain and grief in the community, but which have allowed us to buy things cheaply from sweated workers overseas who can, you know, buy clothes, throw them away because they're so cheap and electrical goods and the list goes on and on? Or do we look around us and see and talk about local production local initiative, formation of collectives and cooperatives, the formation of a alternative economic system which is not based on private investment for private profit. Maybe an economic system which is based on satisfying human needs, not manufactured human needs. Yep, think about it. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, during the any crisis, there's a whole variety of ideas out there, and I've been, uh, you know, gobsmacked by some of them. And one of the ones I find most uh, uh, ludicrous is the idea that the Pandemic, the pandemic was started by these, you know, funny people sitting in big towers somewhere in order to sell vaccines. Uh, look, I know a little bit about the pharmaceutical industry, been a doctor for over almost 44 years. You learn a little bit about the ins and outs of the pharmaceutical industry. And I've seen a major change in the pharmaceutical industry in the last 40 years. Uh, through privatisation, and I've seen most state actors now are totally reliant on the private sector to provide medications and vaccines. Now, private corporations are not interested in vaccines. And that's why we still have polio in the world and we still have malaria 
we still have we still haven't got a vaccine for SARS, which is a coronavirus. Now, if we had manufactured a vaccine for SARS in 2008, there would have been a vaccine for COVID-19 by now. We wouldn't have to go through all this. The brutal fact is that vaccines are administered once a year, and in some cases for life, and in some cases every five years. And the brutal fact is there isn't much fat on a vaccine as far as profit is concerned. Even if you had compulsory vaccination for the whole world, that's 7.2 billion people, you'd only make about, once your costs are taken into account, only about 20 to $30 billion. Now, that may seem a lot to you and me, but the reality is you can make 20 to $30 billion in one day by manipulating the stock market you don't need to kill, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and destroy economies in order to make $30 billion. All you've got to do is manipulate the stock market. Look at Mr. Trump. He's an expert at it. He tells his family and his business colleagues he's going to send out a tweet that's going to make the stock market fall, the stock market, they buy their shares and stocks. He sends out his tweet, the stock market falls, they make hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. It's very simple. It's done every day. Stock markets are manipulated every day. You don't need to kill hundreds of thousands of people. Vaccines are loss leaders. You know what a loss leader is? When you walk into a supermarket, there are those lovely specials at the front. And you rush over and grab six of them or four of them or a hundred of them, whatever, whatever you can afford because they're real specials. Now, the company loses on that transaction, but the rest of the store, there's a markup, and you go and buy your other stuff, and you've paid for your savings for the time you've used your shopping. Private corporations, private pharmaceutical companies are interested in one thing. Medications like I take for blood pressure, right? Medications that you've got to take every day for the rest of your life. That's what they're interested in researching. That's what they're interested in getting a patent at. Not about an injection once a year you get four or five bucks from, but medications you take every day where you're getting $10, $15, $20 a month till the day you, you, know, you die. That's where research is going, and that's why Around the world, we have so much trouble developing vaccines because our over-reliance on the private pharmaceutical industry who is driven by the desire to make profits. So they're going to shy away from vaccination production, vaccination research, because vaccines do not make profits. At the end of the SARS epidemic in 2008, the world was very close to forming a vaccine. But due to the lack of a few million dollars, that research didn't go ahead. And that's a fact. That's a fact. It's up to nation states to provide the capital to create vaccines. Because vaccines are loss leaders. They 
do not make extraordinary profits for pharmaceutical companies. And that's why you'll find not one major pharmaceutical company in the world actually involved in research to find vaccines for diseases which cause the deaths of tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people every year. You're listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. My name's Joseph Toscano. You can leave messages if you want to join public interest before corporate interest on 0439 395 489. You can go to the website, pipsy.net, download the application form. Now, just to reassure you, we keep no information on the Pipsy website regarding any individual member. Information is securely stored, and I can assure you it's not in the iCloud or the World Wide Web. It is securely stored. So if you're concerned about your information, give us a call. We'll talk to you about it. And obviously, it's only the Secretariat, that's four people, only two members of the Secretariat, and these they are elected by the membership of PPC. That's the Secretary and the Registered Officer who actually have access to the membership list. So there's a lot of protection for your personal data if you're concerned about your personal data. So we, we keep no personal data on the pipsy.net website. We're not stupid. It is to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Let's move on. The climate emergency. It hasn't gone away. Now, about 102 people died from COVID directly in this country in the last three months. But guess what? At the beginning of the year, during the fire crisis, it's estimated that at least 500 people died during, due to smoke inhalation. And this is the big facts, these are figures which you presented at the current Royal Commission, which has been held into the, uh, into the extraordinary fires at the beginning of the year, which I actually was um, caught up in. And I can assure you, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a, an easy situation, breathing smoke for days on end. It wasn't an easy situation. The dilemma is there may have been 450 to 500 people who died directly because of the smoke inhalation from the fire. But think of the indirect damage that has been done to the lungs of so many people in this country who are exposed to smoke day after day after day after day. And it's interesting to see where the government has changed its spots, where the Morrison-led uh, Liberal National Party government has lost its... Uh, is, is going to divorce the coal industry. Well, they're not. Nothing has changed. They love fossil fuels. They love fossil fuels. If they could, it'd be nuclear power. Uh, they've kind of downplaying the word coal now. 
because a lot of companies have invested in themselves from coal because they can see it in the dying industry, the dinosaur industry. So what has the federal government jumped onto? Gas. Another fossil fuel, that's right, which many in the coal industry already manage. It's not as if they're exclusive. Coal and gas go together. They're both fossil fuel. So if you think that the Morrison Liberal National Party has changed its tune on uh, the climate emergency, it hasn't. It has no intentions of increasing its of increasing its greenhouse reduction targets. Same target, minimal target, 2030. It has no intention of stopping its support for the coal and the uh, gas industry. It's actually more interested in supporting uh, gas than coal currently, because coal is obviously on the nose of the general community. And if you think COVID-19 has changed the climate emergency, it hasn't. COVID-19 of itself could be linked to increasing warming and increasing population growth. Maybe. Maybe. The thing is, the climate emergency is still there. Greenhouse emissions continue to increase, although one good thing about the COVID-19 crisis has been the reduction in greenhouse emissions, temporarily anyway, uh, because of the uh, decrease in production. But obviously, with uh, business as usual, uh, uh, mantra the government is uh, parroting currently that I'd expect that uh, these emissions will go back to their normal rates the next uh, year or so. So it's not business as usual. The climate emergency is still there. Greenhouse emissions are still there. there. Temperatures are still increasing. We are at increased risks of catastrophic fires. And the not just the direct results, the you know, few dozen deaths directly attributed to fire, but the indirect deaths and damage to the health of the general population. You can't have millions of people exposed to smoke in the major capital cities, day in and day out, and not expect some type of uh, long-term damage to people's lungs. Think about it. This is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. And guess what? Interesting, isn't it? Well, what's interesting, Joe? You're talking to yourself again. Well, it's interesting that whenever there's a crisis, we have new laws, okay? And we had 9-11, we had lots of new laws, which continue to be there. No sunset clause. We've got the COVID-19 crisis, and there's a lot of new laws, which has basically increased the power of the police. And even in Victoria, we now have discussions about protective services officers who are little baby police, basically, get six months training but wear guns, having an extraordinary increase in their powers and the areas they patrol and the fact that they've actually been giving out fines and arresting people 
over the last few months is interesting. And what I find even more interesting is the pathetic response of the Victorian Police Association, supposedly a trade union, which covers over 95% of Victoria Police, actually not responding to the fact that their work is being taken over by people who are not adequately trained for that work. But that's, that's the way it goes. You've got to be really careful. You've got to be really careful. That's when a crisis occurs and the state increases its power. You've got to understand that that power is not just for that period. But unless you force that government to actually rescind that power, you've got issues. Because, you see, the Australian Constitution isn't the document that most... Australians assume it's not a document which actually outlines any citizen's rights. It's a document which regulates the relationship between the states and the central government. And what we've seen over the last 120 years, 119 years, is the extension of central power in relation to state power. There's nothing there which protects the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. For example, as part of the 9-11 legislation from almost 20 years ago, the Attorney-General can shut down any organisation he or she likes because he believes they may pose, may pose a threat to the country. He or she believes. They don't have to prove they pose a threat, but could pose a threat. And then if you're found to be a member of such an organisation, you could be jailed for up to 25 years. If you raise money for such an organisation, you could be jailed for up to 25 years. And if you think I'm making this up, look at the legislation. I don't need to make up this crap. It's real. For example, you could be walking down the street today and this gentleman or a lady and a gentleman whisk you away in a black car and lock you up somewhere and interrogate you for 10 days. And they can do that without a warrant. They can do that because they suspect you may inadvertently have information which may assist them in their investigation. And guess what? If you refuse to cooperate or refuse to answer any questions, you can be jailed for up to five years. And if you think we have an open court system, look at the court case which is currently being held in Canberra regarding uh, the people involved in East Timor oil dispute. How the government is pursuing men who did, you know, a number of people who did the best they could to assist the East Timorese government. How ASIO, or I should say, our external ASIS, bugged, bugged the. Uh, East Timorese uh, political parties. And all this goes on and on and on and on. So if you think, if you think that these increased uh, security laws will go away, think again. When you don't have any constitutional protection against the arbitrary exercise of state power at the state power, the state level and the federal level, you have to be exceptionally concerned that legislation that comes in times of emergency doesn't continue as we saw after 9-11 after that emergency has passed. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network.
This program has been podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Toscano. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to me. That's right. Yes, I do answer letters to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can leave messages on 0439-395-489. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, and the current YouTube that should be up or will be up in the next 24 hours is about Reconciliation Week. You can go to a number of Facebook pages, defending extent public housing. Public housing, everybody's business. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscano. Become a friend. I need friends. Or do I? Don't forget, uh, if you can help public interest before corporate interest, do this mass mail out. We're going to do in the next six to eight weeks. We need about $801.10 stamps. So send them across. The Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. That's uh, one way to help. And uh, don't forget that uh, ultimately, will the change occur depends on you because you can't rely on the churches, you can't rely on the mosques, you can't rely on the synagogues or the temple. You can't rely on the government of the day. You can't rely on state government. You can't rely on the Australian Constitution. You can't rely on the corporate sector or the government guild at ABC. You can't rely on the financial sector or the banking system. It's all based on the concept of private investment for private profit. Remember, we are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people we've been waiting for. And if you do want to change things, if you're sick of being a spectator, if you're sick of screaming at your uh, social media cohorts or throwing bricks through your television screen because you're feeling totally powerless, now is the time to think about how you can become active. You don't like what you hear on this program? Fine. There are many other people around this country that are trying to change things for the better. Find out what's going on in your neck of the woods. Get involved in events regarding reconciliation. Become involved in a, a local initiative. Set up a local cooperative or collective. There are many things that as an individual or as a group you are able to do to change the direction of the society because it's not going to be business as usual. We will make sure it's not going to be business as usual because if it's business as usual, more of the same garbage and I haven't spent nearly seven decades on this planet to you know, kowtow to that small section of society that owns the means of production Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning 
machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.